What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, What's Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. The most simplest of questions, but I wonder if you've actually considered this for yourself. Are you an entrepreneur or an investor? And is there even a third option where you're both? Today's guest, Buck Joffrey, brings us into his world of becoming a surgeon and immediately being faced with this idea of what is this whole world of entrepreneurship? Russ, what did it make you think about? I felt like as he talked about making this transition out of being a very, 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 very highly paid professional, and I connect with that, right, for, on so many different levels, having to leave that space or wanting to leave that space to do something else, but not knowing exactly how. And the way that he did it probably resonated with me more than you because he was just like, okay, I just told the world a year ahead of time. A year from now, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to be moving. And he's like, so then I had to figure it out. I just had to figure it out. And I think for so many of us, we need to create a catch for ourselves. At least that's the way I would say it, a deadline, some accountability to what we want to do. And if we just keep planning, we might not do it. But if we go out and tell the world, we set a time that everybody else knows is going to happen. In his situation, he bought a house in a completely different state. It's like, I'm moving over there, so I can't keep doing the thing that I'm doing now for work. I'm going to have to be doing something else. That created a a must-solve situation. And I think for so many of us, if we would apply that into our world in so many different ways, it might be like, hey, I need to build my first passive income stream, but I don't know how. What do I need to do? Well, maybe the first thing I have to do is schedule a 15-minute call with one of the coaches at whatswallwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Yeah, that's a shameless plug right there. So I get <laughs> maybe that's the first thing I have to I have to schedule that call. Maybe I don't know exactly what I need to ask them, but I schedule the call to do it. Maybe I say that I'm going to take the investor DNA and I go ahead and do it. Maybe I tell somebody in my you know friend group, hey, at the end of next year, 2024, I'm going to have a thousand dollars a month in passive income. Ask me about the thousand dollars a month by the end of next year. Create some level of accountability, some catch, some deadline for yourself that forces you to do it. Maybe it is leaving your job. Maybe it is moving to a different state. Maybe it is building that first passive income stream or learning who you are as an investor or whatever it may be. Create accountability by sharing it with the world. I, I totally agree. And if you are hearing us talk about this, you're like, yes, this is exactly what I need to do. I don't know where to start. I don't even know how to draw that line in the sand. This episode is for you, and we're here to walk you through the process. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Now let's dive in with Buck Joffrey. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. 
your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, get ready to understand the wealth formula with our good friend, Buck Joffrey. Buck, so glad to have you in the studio today. Thanks for having me, guys. Man, it's a it's always a pleasure to spend time with a doctor, right? We, we've had a few doctors on here. We have a self-proclaimed a doctor of financial medicine that comes on our podcast on a regular basis. But you're a, a surgeon, a cosmetic surgeon, neurosurgeon, and... I've kind of lost my ability to go deeper on that subject of science. My wife yeah. was, a, was a doctor and she and I never got any deeper than, you know, what I could watch on TV there. But being a surgeon, you finish your training and you said that one week after training, you read this book that Robert Kiyosaki had written called The Cashflow Quadrant and it changed the way that you look. I'm really interested in what you learned from that and how it changed. Well, I mean, uh, I think the, the the starting point is where I was at, which was, you know, as a an A student. I think, uh, you know, if your uh, if your wife is a physician, this is a, probably something that's familiar to you. When you're when you're an A student, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, as as Robert Kiyosaki talks about, you know, A students work for C students and B students work for the government, right? But why do A students work for C students in the first place? And the the reason for that is that in A students generally just have their heads down and, and they're good at what they do. And there's a constant Pavlovian feedback of praise, right? So there's this constant, you know, you're doing great. You're awesome at this. And so why in the world would you get off that train? And I was one of those guys, right? So I was good at school. I was good at college. I was a biochemistry and molecular biology nerd. I went to uh, medical school, you know, and then I did a, started a neurosurgery residence. I mean, I was like, you know, the sort of quintessential nerd that uh, was t- uh, that was climbing the nerd mountain, right? And um, and and most of us in that space don't want to get off, and it's not. Because it's it maybe maybe there's ways to make more money, but in our heads we believe we are the you know the top of society, right? And because we're being told that constantly, and so uh, so that's where kind of I was, you know. And and um, I think the element of um, figuring out I was an entrepreneur happened when it, I was about a week out of as you mentioned out of training, and um, I got I got married the day after. Uh, residency was over and I went on my honeymoon uh, in, in Puerto Vallarta and on the way back I was literally just looking for something to read and it happened to be that there was like three books in that Mexican airport and two of them were with like guys with long hair and no shirts and one of them was called the cash flow quadrant and um, I have no you know I had no interest in any of them really but the least uh, painful one sounded like the cash flow quadrant I had no interest in money. I had no interest in investing, no interest in anything but academics. And I saw myself as a future chairman somewhere. I read The Cashflow Quadrant on the plane and it was electrifying for me. This is a book by Robert Kiyosaki, as you know. And 
I came off of that plane a completely different human being. And I do, this is, and it sounds ludicrous, but it's true. I completely was a different person. And I realized I was an entrepreneur. And I realized that what I had been missing because I was so good at what I was doing was this entire world outside of planned curriculum, which was to create your own destiny, to create your own business, to create your own wealth. And I just found that incredibly liberating. And as my friend Tom Wheelwright, uh, who was my CPA for a while uh, and still an advisor for me, uh, said, you know, ultimately he described me as an entrepreneur who happens to be a doctor because that's basically what happened. I, from there, just launched into, uh, you know, I had a business uh, that happened to be cosmetic surgery, but then quickly sort of pivoted into multiple other businesses and ultimately into a real estate private equity business, um, a business in, um, you know, some of the life insurance stuff that you guys do. Um, you know, I, I just did a, a number of other things, but ultimately it had nothing, a, a lot of it had very little to do with medicine. Now, going back to that comment about A students working for uh, C students, because I know you have nothing prepared to ask me, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> well, I actually have a question. I actually have a question. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so here's my everybody, if you have read the Catholic yeah. Quadrant, I'm curious. I don't want to just assume what yeah. was it about that book that stuck out to you that you're yeah. like, all of a sudden, wait a minute. I am an entrepreneur. I just didn't realize it. Like, what was yeah. it about the book? You know, I think that's a really good question because a lot of people, when they read Kiyosaki, the first thing that comes to their mind is, man, I should buy some real estate. Yeah. And that's not where I was. I looked at these quadrants and I said, wait a second. Like, I don't, I don't have to be in that W space. I don't, what it, and this self-employment thing sounds pretty good. And this business thing sounds pretty good. And this investor thing, well, that's, completely different, right? The idea of being taxed different was really interesting to me. And I should say that this was coming at a time where I just finished residency. Um, I was kind of burned out. I was uh, I was very academic. I wrote tons of papers, wrote tons, you know, I one of the uh, one of the authors on the definitive neurosurgical chapter on cerebral arterial venous malformations, whatever. I mean, I mean, this is the guy, this is you know, this is who I was, right? Um, but I was Russ. Russ actually wrote something very similar. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, that's that's a side point. In the Yeoman's textbook of neurosurgery, the the point being that like I I was in a space where I was kind of burned out already, and I was looking for a different world. And I think Robert just kind of put it out there for me as this is what other people are doing. They're creating their own world, and that's what I got really exciting to me is a world outside of this narrow box that I was thinking in and that I thrived in. And but, um, so. I, I want to ask this question because a lot of times we, we make the assumption that we need to be in a community of other people that are doing that thing that we want to do in yeah. order for us to really level up and being in a world of medicine, right? There, there's very little business talk, right? And, and yes. I've talked to plenty uh, people in different departments in the medical school, the dental world, they're, they're like, our job is to help people get out past the boards, right? Yeah. They learn business once they leave us. So you're typically are surrounded around a lot of other people that didn't know any more about business and entrepreneurship than you did at that time. 
Yeah. So I'm really curious while you got this insight, how did you grow that? How did you grow it to be to where you could go further than, than the, the surroundings that you had around you? Obviously you're around successful people, smart people, people probably making a lot of money just because of the professions you were in, but from a business entrepreneurship area, how did you really grow that? Let's go back to this concept of A students working for C students for a second, because I think that that maybe will help explain why others generally do who do this don't tend to have my my academic pedigree. And this is a conversation I had this with Tom Wilwright um, the other uh, you know a few months ago, where you know uh, we were talking about this whole A students working for C students, and I said, you know, Tom, you know Robert Kiyosaki says that. But the one thing that he uh, he doesn't mention is why that is. And the reason I think that is, Tom, because Tom was an A student too, right? And I said, the reason is because those C students, they had nothing to lose. We had everything to lose, right? If you are not a big success in your own, uh, in what you're doing, you're not tied up into it, right? So you're, you're more apt to go and try some other things, right? That's really what it is. Now- so that's what I think was going on. Now, so the question is, what was it in my situation that made me apt to try something different? And I think there's two answers to that. One is that I was kind of burned out and I wanted to do something different anyway. But the other thing is, frankly, like, I think I was genetically wired to be this kind of, my dad's an entrepreneur and I just always kind of rejected his way of being as like, you know, not being sort of a higher form, <laughs> you know, like I, I thought, you know, he, he was a real estate guy actually. And he kind of a little bit of a slumlord, frankly. And, and Hey, but you know, it did great. He did great, uh, in that space. And I just never wanted to be that guy, but I think there is something about, uh, entrepreneurs sometimes when you, um, uh, that, that there probably is a little bit of a genetic uh, a component of it, too. Let me give you an example of that, by the way, which I think is a good one. Do you guys know uh, George Newberry? Uh, follow the name a little yeah. bit, but yes. Uh, so G- George is an interesting guy. So he did this American uh, home uh, homeowner, AHP title, whatever. He's got like five million companies. He's one of the, one of the most uh, interesting sort of dynamic entrepreneurs that I've ever met. And he's a really interesting guy. As it turns out, George Newberry... Uh, has a uh, if you if you, he's Argentinian and if you if you uh, go to the airport I think Buenos Aires is the George Newberry International Airport <laughs> and, and that is actually George's grandfather and as it turns out this guy was like a daredevil and he was like he he like was a pioneer in aviation ultimately ended up crashing and dying but <laughs> he was. I mean, that's basically an entrepreneur, right? Somebody who's looking for an excitement. So not not the crashing and dying part, but the, the excitement. I well, well, we have our own crashing and some but there's usually not death involved. Usually there's not death involved. Usually. Which usually there's not. But there is a there is a parallel there. And so when I talked to George about it, it was what because he and I are both wired kind of the same way. And he had a great comment. He's like entrepreneurs are, you know, for entrepreneurs, success in business is it's um, it's like it's the game, right? It's the entertainment. It's what keeps us going. And the way we measure success is is by how much money we make. That's a measure of success. That's like keeping score. That's how we keep score. That's not the end game. That's telling you if you're doing a good job or not. And I really resonate with that. 
And uh, so anyway, so that that I think I was just kind of wired that way too. And, and and I should point out that I am not one of those people who you know who's out there telling telling people that everybody should do what I did. I highly don't recommend this. If you're not wired this way, it's not a good way to be. <laughs> it's really not. It's a it can be it can be a wild ride. For me, it's turned out to be a very good ride. It's been a, a way for me to, you know, do do better than I ever would have as a doctor financially. Uh, it, it's it's been a way for me to help my fellow physicians and high paid earners to you know to do certain things that they may not uh, be getting great advice on or whatever. But you know, it's it's not like I, I I'm out there evangelizing the the entrepreneurial thing. So. I do find that interesting, right? My my wife was a dentist and, you know, there were several of her close friends that went on to medical school and became oral surgeons and have done really well, you know, seven figure incomes. And they, they are right there squarely in that S quadrant, right? They, yeah. They're, they're working for themselves. And, you know, the, the times where everybody is off, where it's summertime and winter break. Well, that's the time where they're working the hardest because that's when all the kids are out and they can start, you know, yanking wisdom teeth and, and they're not able to travel, not able to do things, but they make a lot of money. So it's interesting sure. that you would say that by getting out and doing some of these other things, you've actually created more income for yourself, more wealth for yourself, because I think a lot of them would be like, well, man, I'm going to make the most amount of money just doing the job that I'm doing. Yeah. So Talk a little bit about some of those things that you did early on when you actually started applying what you were reading in that book. I know you said you you built some different businesses. Talk a little about that for those who haven't followed you, haven't followed the Wealth Formula podcast and so on. I really want to make sure everybody kind of catches up to speed. But for me, um, so it started out, um, what I ended up doing was, you know, I um, I started uh, my first business outside of training, I, I just went straight for, you know, I was a cosmetic surgeon in Chicago and, um, rather than, you know, wait 20 years to build a practice, uh, I went straight for it. I took a bunch of loans out, started marketing like crazy. And before you know it, I had a million dollar a year marketing budget. Um, and I was the, you know, busiest cosmetic surgeon in Chicago within like probably two or three years. And I was doing an enormous amount of surgery and, um, and physically was having trouble keeping up because I have a bad back and all this stuff. And I was literally getting, um, like IV steroids between cases just to stand up. <laughs> it was bad, but I was making good money, you know, I was making good money, but I just, you know, I think, um, after a while I knew that's just not where I wanted to be. Cause I just, you know, I have a little bit of ADD too, and I wanted to do other things. So I, ended up um, starting another business uh, in the whole medical space uh, with some, you know, I don't have to go into too much detail, but it was like another procedure outside of cosmetics. And I branded it, created another business, uh, got a guy working for me on the cosmetics side. And then I was like, then I was making quite a bit of money and that's all relative, right? We always, you know, we, I live in Montecito right now, like in my, you know, my neighbor's a, a billionaire. So it's, it's all relative, right? So uh, it's not uh, a lot of money. <laughs> it means very different things to different people. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But 
it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system. Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. So I was making good money though. And um, I started investing that and I started investing um, uh, in apartment buildings in Chicago and uh, started doing pretty well. And, you know, I think my first few buildings, I think I sold in a, in a few years completely, you know, just riding the wave of good years. And, you know, uh, 2000, right around 2010 to, to 2012 and things like that um, made like 500% on each one of them. And it was just stupid, stupid how much money that I was making with these buildings. And I'm like, wow, this is great. More people got to know about this. Maybe I should start podcasting <laughs> because I wanted to learn about, I wanted to learn more about this alternative space, this alternative world. So I started listening to podcasts. And again, that was probably around 2012. There was like four or five podcasts at that point, right? So you just listened to all of them. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, I listened to, you know, uh, the real estate guys have been around for 150 years now. So I listened to <laughs> Russ and, and those And um, so you'd listen to those guys. And what, what I found was that, you know, not every podcast resonated with me. I had a certain situation that was different from others. I was a guy who was already making seven figures, you know, and multiple seven figures. And I wanted to figure out, like, what do I do next? How do I scale? I wasn't trying to get out of a, you know, a cubicle or something like that. It was just trying to figure out like, what do you do when you make this kind of money and what should I know? And so the problem is that most podcasts did not resonate with a high, you know, sort of a very high paid professional. And so, um, I picked and choose various po podcasts to listen to just episodes. And then I was like, you know what? I got to start something because there's too many people making uh, you know, half million to a million bucks a year or more or whatever, who their situation's different. And they're not interested in flipping houses. They're not interested in going out there and adding another job, right? And so part of what I do is deploy capital myself. Let's try start figuring out, let's start talking about what to do if you've already got a lot, a lot of money. And so I did, that's what I did. And I started talking about it. And this is like, you know, again, 2012, 2013, uh, at first I did like five or six podcasts. I think my first couple one, uh, no one was listening. So I kept like looking at the downloads and I'm like, okay, that's five downloads. So that's me like three times. <laughs> 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 and you know, some other, and, and so I kind of stopped for a little bit. I stopped for like six, seven months. And then, um, I got to know Robert and Russ from real estate guys. And they're like, you know, I, I, I talked to them a little bit, 
And they, they encouraged me to, you know, kind of get back into it. And so, so I did, I got back into it, but again, I didn't really have an agenda of any sort other than I enjoyed talking about it. Same way I'm doing, I just launched, you know, this other health podcast now. I don't really have an agenda. I just like talking about this stuff. So I started talking about it and then the business came later. At one point I started getting emails saying, Hey Buck, you know, you're talking about this stuff. How can, you know, can we, can I invest with you? Can we do some stuff together? And then I was like, well, that's interesting because actually I've been watching guys like, you know, Kenny McElroy and stuff like that. And it sure seems like there's an opportunity for me to do what I'm doing at a much bigger scale. And so that's when I, so I, I started Investor Club, uh, which I mean, seriously, who just, you know, it's like just a little click here, join my club. Who doesn't want to join a club, right? It's a credit investor club and people get onboarded. And then that sat there for a few years because I wasn't going to just like raise money for, to the, for the purpose of raising money unless we had some stuff that we could do. Uh, and then, you know, over time, that group started growing. And there's a lot of people in there. It's like, you know, 3,000, 4,000 accredited investors. And, um, you know, since that time, I've raised probably half a billion dollars and, you know, deployed a lot. Of, I mean, so, so it's grown into something pretty significant. But it started out with frankly, just a passion and interest and um, ultimately figure out a way how to, you know, monetize it and also to really just, you know, fill a void. You've left practicing though as a surgeon and yeah. you did that when? Uh, 2017. 2017. And so- that probably required uh, you to ask, answer some questions of those around you, right? Like, why would you leave such a fruitful career, something that you spent so many years training to to learn how to do and have been so successful in? How did you answer that? I mean, everyone who's thinking about leaving something, right, at, at some level is going to have to answer a question very similar. I would love for them to hear how you answered it. Well, I think for for me, though, like part of it was the... the um... I had I had an ex I had an exit plan. It didn't really work very well, but but I had a plan that made sense. And the plan was, you know, I had these uh, medical businesses and that sort of thing, um, and I was going to move. That they were in Chicago, and I just, just I said I'm moving to Montecito in next year. I'm going to have to figure out how to do it. And that literally was how I did it. And if you go back and you listen to my podcast, and I think it was sometime in 2015 or 16, I'm doing a podcast from a beach house in Montecito that we rented out just because it's beautiful here. We love living here, right? Um, and I was married at the time. And I said on that podcast, I'm like, okay, I'm moving. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm moving. And I'm saying this out loud to you. On this podcast, I'm moving here next year. I'm moving here. And I just made it happen. And sometimes you got to do that, right? Like sometimes you just think about how if you really want to do something, think about how many times in your life you really wanted to do something and you sat on it for three years. And then you finally ended up doing it. And then you're like, damn, why didn't I start three years ago? This was exactly what I wanted to do. And I just wasted three years just mulling it over, right? And thinking about it and think, gosh, maybe I should just do that. I started thinking about real estate syndication probably back in like 2000, 
13 or 14 and the real estate guys were were talking about it on you know they had their uh shows and their get-togethers and stuff like that i started thinking about it then i didn't start doing it probably until 2016 or 17 maybe um yeah, probably 2017 in earnest. And there's, you know, there's a half billion dollars between 2017 and, and now. And that's like, think about that four years of, of, you know, time where I wanted to do it. I was thinking about doing it and I never pulled the trigger. So I would say this is that if you know, if you really want to do something like just do it. Okay. You figure out the rest later. Like, for example, I wanted to also launch this podcast. Um, because I have an interest in this space, you know, that this health and longevity space, and I don't know where it's going to land, but I spent probably a year and a half just going, I really want to do it. I really want to do it. And then I started thinking about what happened before. And I was like, just launch it, figure it out later, figure out later. That's what I did. So now I launch it, figure out later. So, so I'm not a huge fan. I know people, you know, who are business school types and stuff. They have to have everything written out. They have to have every. I'm not saying you shouldn't have every, you know, a lot of things planned, but to a certain degree, like just start doing it, right? Just start doing it and you'll figure it out along the way. You're going to make mistakes no matter what. It's guaranteed. I don't care how much you plan. You know, it was what Mike Tyson said. Everybody's got to plan until you get punched in the face. You're going to get punched in the face. Guaranteed every single time. And you just have to figure it out. And for me, it's worked out. Stallion, I made a, a a comparison prior to press and record that I was very similar to Larry King for not being prepared. Now I feel like I can say I'm similar to, you know, brain surgery and cosmetic surgery because <laughs> just my ability just to do things and not be prepared. Like, I mean, this is, you're, you're giving me all sort of, uh, you know, momentum and, and, and conversation with my business partner here. So let's, let's transition into this next phase of life, right? Let's talk yeah. about now that you are a syndicator, you are raising capital, you've raised half a billion dollars, uh, which is an amazing feat in of itself, which should be surprising based upon all the things that you've done to that point. Talk about some of those insights, those learnings that you've had since doing that, right? Since being in a different position, you've been investing your own money, yeah. but now transitioning to a point where now you're investing others' money. What are some yeah, other Yeah, I mean- yeah, it's certainly, it's, it, it, and that is a, that's an ongoing, um, you know, learning process. I mean, the, pro, the, 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 the process never ends, right? And I think you, um, I think you become more and more, uh, you know, you become more and more careful as time goes by. Um, you know, you, you see like also what's happened in this space, um, uh, it, it, it's tricky. You have to be very careful. Um, you know, your partnerships, you know, the, the people that you're entrusting with your own group's money, there's two elements to that. One is, you know, certainly you, you want to operate in group that is, you know, that that's competent. That's never, nothing's going to ever guarantee you, you know, wins every single time. Like you're just not going to win every single time we went through, you know, from, and, and, and investors went through real estate investors. I went through 2000, you know, 11 to 2020, you know, two, which is like the longest bull market in history where everybody in anything that put money into, you know, real estate was a grand slam. Everybody looked like a genius, right? 
we're not in those spaces anymore. And so sometimes you take your lumps. And so you're going to do that. But I think part of part of the uh, process is trying to um, uh, trying to figure out what you do next, right? If you have some situations that don't go as well as you thought, what do you do next? And so that's been a, uh, you know, that's been an ongoing thing for me, trying to understand like, okay, you know, if, if things didn't go well, why didn't they go well? And how can we make sure that we, you know, that we continue to improve next time? Real estate syndication is like anything else. Like it's, these are, it's a business, right? It's not really real estate at that point. It is real estate. Real estate is a product of it, but real estate at that level becomes business, becomes a, a big business. And you have to figure out how you manage that business right. I also would like to say in terms of the concept of raising capital that, you know, it's a tricky space, right? In the podcast ecosystem, especially like we've seen in this space uh, in the last year or two where it's not, it's not just about necessarily the market forces, but there has been downright criminality um, with Ponzi schemes and, you know, it's hard enough to make money. It's, it's hard enough to consistently make money just with people who are good at what they do, right? Because you still have a market, you still have market forces, but when you're trying to like actually avoid criminals, <laughs> that makes it like 10 times more difficult. So one of the things that um, I do is I used to po- I used to podcast with a little bit more um, uh, I, I used to be a little bit more free with who I would interview, right? For example, you know, even though I I'm not a big fan, I used to do like oil and gas stuff, right? Now oil and gas, um, you know, my experience has not been a good one. I've never made money, and you know, and and then there was there there ends up being some. Uh, there ended up being some very, uh, you know, again, some criminality and in, in, in stuff that was going on through the ecosystem. That was an area that I was like, okay, well now I, I can, I can't really interview anybody who's raising money for oil and gas anymore because I'm not there every day. I, I'm not, it's not my business. So this, you guys know this too, Russ and Joey, the second you interview somebody, people who, who who listen to you, who trust you, you will legitimize that person, right? And that's a very dangerous situation to get into because like we as podcasters, we need content. We want content. We like talking, but we also can't know everything about everyone we interview. And that is very challenging. And so probably the biggest impact on this whole you know, market and what's happened in the ecosystem for me is to be frankly, like kind of scared about who I interview and just, you know, really try to stick to macro concepts, really start, you know, try to stick to, um, personal finance strategies. And if, if I'm not involved, deeply ingrained in my own, in, in what I'm raising capital for to the extent that I'm actually a managing partner, or it goes through our associated broker dealer. We're not. I'm not going to interview that anymore. That's something that I've, I've learned my lesson on. That. 
Well, it is a very scary world to try to learn all of those things. And you, you have to find people that you trust in that world. You have to try to do the due diligence, but to your point, I mean, there's a lot of people that have trusted the, I think it's 40 to 50 Ponzi schemes that, that pop up every single year. Right. And those, yeah. most of those people were very uh, trustworthy on, on the surface and most of them fairly, um, intelligent and could communicate something, but yeah, it's, it is definitely a, a challenge. And that's why I asked the question about raising money, right? Like there, there lies the next phase for most people is once they do it well for themselves, they decide, okay, well, how can they're, they decide mostly because of others coming to them, like you had with you, how can I invest alongside of you? And right. the, the question is, how do you do it? Well, and it's hard to do it well. That's really the answer. It's that you have to you have to treat it like a business. You can't treat it a hobby. You're gonna have to go all in. And I can see why you would have to leave the career that you were in to focus on this, because otherwise you would be divided in your process and we can't do two things well. You also have to know what your kind of limitations are. So like, you know, for me, real estate is like it's what I understand. It doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, it it doesn't mean that it's a guarantee. Nothing's ever a guarantee, but I can say with some level of certainty that if it's real estate, I'm going to, you know, I, I've got as good a shot as most people to make people money. Right. But for example, there's other things in this space that I think have a lot more moving parts. And so I've moved to a broker dealer model on that. Um, in fact, my, my brother used to, uh, manage the uh, uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund of Bahrain. So he's a very smart guy, multi-billion dollar uh, asset manager. And so, you know, I'm partnering with him on that. So if there's things that are outside of real estate, goes through him. I have no idea. He, he you know, they, they bought like, they bought half of McLaren for multiple billions of dollars on his watch. So he can deal that stuff. I'm not going to do that stuff. So we just have to like, you know, you have to know what you're strong at. Make sure that you project that and uh, and 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 give everybody the best shot possible. And I think that's that's lost philosophically where I'm at. Well, I, I'll tell you the the biggest things that I'm hearing from you today, Buck, are that you have to know who you are, right? right. As an investor, um, are you an entrepreneur? And if you haven't woken up to that um, that possibility, then maybe you need to invest with some really good operators. And, yeah. and so for that, I think it's, it's wise that you're also sharing that you're going to, you're going to operate in the places that you know, and, and that maybe that's a takeaway for everybody today is, and who are the operators you're working with and do they operate in the places that they know? Like that's a good due diligence question to, to go deep with before you ever give them a dollar. And I, I'll just tell you what, Buck, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and being willing to come today. Um, for those who would like to learn more about your story and what you're up to, where would you want us to to forward them today? Well, I'm always happy to have people, uh, you know, follow the the podcast, it's Wealth Formula uh, Wealth Formula Podcast, uh, where, wherever you do podcasts, and wealthformula.com is the website. Um, you know, it it is a you know the the show itself is is purely educational, personal finance stuff. So. Uh, you know, if you are, especially if you are in that sort of higher, uh, you know, higher wage earning, uh, capacity that, that it's probably stuff that will resonate with you. And even if, if it isn't, um, uh, there's certainly, 
uh, bits uh, in there that are, are of interest. And, you know, we really focus a lot on um, a lot of the things outside of investing that are around in personal finance, like like tax mitigation. I mean, that's why Tom, uh, Tom Wheelwright and I are, are so uh, close because, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of, we talk a lot about what he talks about, but sort of more on the investor side, asset protection, estate planning, all these things that people need to know about. So uh, I love the holistic uh, nature of that. And uh, Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, you've heard it here today. I, I pray that this helps you on your journey to financial freedom, whether you are the entrepreneur or you are um, entrusting your hard-earned money with the operators who are going to help you on that journey. So if you found value today, if you'll please go and rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend who also needs to be on the same journey as you. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.